Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Whether you're steadfast in what you want your post-military career path to look like, or you're still figuring it out, talking to a recruiter who has been in your shoes before can help you prepare for your next step. Morgan Causey, a Marine Corps veteran and Orion recruiter, joins the show to discuss her military background and give practical advice for transitioning service members. As a former skeptic of military recruiting firms, Morgan discusses how her perspective has changed over time and shares her experience helping veterans find rewarding careers since joining the Orion team. In this episode, Morgan talks about the importance of taking time off before re-entering the civilian world, misconceptions about military recruiting firms, and why you should always keep an open mind during your career search. If you have any questions about this interview or topics for a future podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Hi, Morgan. Welcome to the show. Hi, Megan. Thanks. I'm excited to have you on today to share your background, what you'll be doing here at Orion. And I know that you also have some really good advice for transitioning service members. So you have a lot to share with us today, but I wanted to start by just kind of talking about your background and what led you here. So can you tell me a little bit more about your background as it relates to your education and military experience? Yeah, sure thing. Um, I was in the Marine Corps for eight years, active duty. Uh, What led me to that was um, I did ROTC at University of Washington and um, commissioned through the Marine Option Program. I originally was Navy. I wanted to be a subsurface officer, uh, but it wasn't available to me at the time. Um, So I jumped ship, so to speak, uh, into the uh, into the Marine Corps. And I really enjoyed my career with the Marines. I was a logistics officer and a combat engineer officer, kind of untraditional background. I, I, I switched to MOSs halfway through um, just for more opportunities um, that I saw um, to have leadership roles. Um, I was stationed in uh, Yuma um, and in San Diego. I also did a run at Expeditionary Warfare School in Quantico and um, one deployment to Afghanistan. So uh, pretty fun eight years, uh, no regrets. It was really enjoyable. And then um, did a couple years in the SMCR, which is the Selected Marine Corps Reserves um, <clears throat> as a uh, as a company commander for a maintenance unit, um, which was which was pretty awesome and challenging in ways that I never imagined. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. That's a cool, so that you have a very interesting background when you decided to go into the military, do you have like family members that were in the military or what was it that, you know, led you to wanting to join the military in the first place? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, my entire family is associated with the military in some capacity. My dad was in the Navy, did 26 years, um, retired as a chief warrant officer. Um, he's a sub guy, um, which took us to the Northwest and that's like kind of home. Right. Um, and then my brother is in the coast guard, and we always joke around, you know, like that's not the real military, but it totally is. Because <laughs> he's, he's actually gone more than, I mean, it's it's shorter trips, but he's gone a lot um, on the buoy tenders and, and out in the Caribbean and all that kind of stuff. So he's gone a lot. Um, I had an uncle who served in the Air Force, my aunt who served in the Army, another uncle who served in the Army, um, and then another uncle who served in the Navy. So very, and my, my mom was in the Navy for a couple years before she had my brother. So very strong, like military family in the sense, I say strong, but like just a, a huge presence, I guess. It's just kind of expected. 
Yeah, and I would say that's definitely more than what most people have. I think this day and age, you pr probably everyone has, you know, at least one family member or friend, but it sounds like that was really kind of woven into the fabric of your family. Yeah, definitely. Service is a huge thing in our family, and um, it definitely is something that I wanted to stay associated with throughout my life because I feel like people who... I, I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm on my cross or whatever, because I'm definitely not. But uh, I'd, I'd say that a lot of people underestimate the challenges associated with being in the military and then leaving the military. Once you leave, it's it's huge. It's a huge challenge. It's a huge life change. And it it's exciting. But it's also there, there are challenges that most career changers don't encounter, I think, mm -hmm. when they leave. Yeah. So your military background, I think, shows the motivation that you have. Like you mentioned that you switched, you know, occupations several times just because you saw more potential for leadership and, you know, forward movement. And we've talked a little bit, Morgan, prior to doing this podcast. So I know that your post-military career kind of reflects that, too. So um, kind of leads me to the next part of the conversation is what career paths did you have in mind when you were transitioning out of the military? And then. I know you also took a little bit of time off. So, you know, what can you talk me a little bit through that? And then, you know, what your career path looks like after your time off and then ultimately here at Orion? Yeah. So, Megan, I um, I did I did take about uh, 12 months off after I got out of the military. And that was totally um, something that I kind of planned on. I saved a bunch of money and then I had a very supportive partner um, and my husband who was able to allow me the time to um, to take to take off, and in, during that time, I was quote unquote off. I um, I did a yoga teacher training. Um, I, I did a internship uh, through the corporate fellowship program at the United States Olympic Committee in Colorado Springs, and I kind of just worked some like side side work teaching yoga and. Um, volunteering for girls on the run and uh, a few different events at the Olympic Training Center. Um, because I was only going to be in Colorado Springs for a year, I decided I'd better use the time to really get involved in the community and learn how to ski and develop some hobbies. And I realized that's totally like a, a very privileged approach because I was I was set up that way um, through a supportive partner and some savings. So I was able to do that. Um, but the ultimate plan when I got out of the military was to take that time off and then go into a nursery, nursing program. I had been accepted to a direct entry master's program in nursing, which um, it's, a, it's a master's program for career changers. And it was um, it was set up for people who already had bachelor's degrees. You had to take the GRE and you had to have prereqs that were up to date. So I spent uh, about, a, about eight months taking retaking a few classes that I took in my undergrad for entry into that program because it turns out there is a statute of limitations on your education. I had to retake some pretty basic coursework that, you know, we just was easy because, you know, when you're an adult, you're disciplined um, and you get th through things a lot quicker. I started that nursing program and that took me to about two and a half years post transition and decided when I was about halfway through it that it really wasn't for me. There were some consistencies with some of the negative things that I experienced in the military that I saw in, in the field of nursing. And I, while I thought the work is meaningful and that some people really excel in it, I just didn't want more of the same lifestyle uh, in terms of being really overworked and under-resourced. Um, 
in, in, in a system that kind of accepts more risk than it should. So I, I made the conscious decision to step away from that. And that led me to Orion, actually, because I knew that um, I would be pretty happy and successful on a team. And uh, I was looking for actually a project management role through Orion because that's a lot, a large portion of my military background was managing both expeditionary construction projects and also just like logistics projects, making sure uh, teams were resourced to execute a training evolution or um, whatnot. So um, it's very similar, as you know, to to project management. So um, that's what I came to Orion for. And uh, in in the the weeks I was communicating with Orion, turns out that um, I had a, a knack for communicating with people and and working in recruiting. So actually Orion asked me to come on and be a recruiter for them. And I never in a million years would have ever said that I would be in recruiting, which is basically a form of sales. Um, I, I actually really kind of cringed at the idea of going into sales. Um, and so I ended up really enjoying it um, because I get to help people and I get to to like kind of work on my work on my own, so to speak, like a sort of self-driven and also be a part of a team. So that's what kind of led me here. And that is a very crooked path to to where I am, but it it was awesome and I learned a lot. So it's good. Well, sometimes that's the way to go. I think that so many people that leave the military and you probably have this experience from people that you worked with and um, in the military and people that you saw maybe transition out before you, after you at the same time, where I think a lot of people really want to have exactly what they're going to do in mind. And, you know, they don't they don't want there to be any gap. They want to go straight into it. And it's really the same for people who graduate, you know, recent college graduates. You always want to have that next thing in mind. And so I think hearing from you and your path, it's a little bit refreshing. It's something that you don't hear often, but I know that you are passionate about taking that time off because it was so helpful for you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I I thought that um, rushing from one thing to the next thing, um, what would have been like, quote unquote, the responsible thing to do to make sure there was no gap in income. But I also think that um, another way of looking at it is actually taking some time to like be deliberate and explore different passions and and um, and hobbies and uh, interests mm -hmm. kind of helped lead me to you know, working in this role where I get to help people. And that's what I'm really, that's what I'm passionate about. I mean, through yoga and through, and through Orion, like my, you know, my passion is like, Hey, what's, what can we do to help? You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's my, yeah. And, and so like, I think if I had to say like one, one or two things here about, about my experience that might be helpful to someone, even if they can't take as much time off is, um, you know, plan, you know, take some time, take, even if it's like a long weekend, uh, take some time and, you know, you may not get it right the first time, um, in terms of what you choose. And most people don't like, and, and that's okay. Um, so learn from it and then take a, take a full step forward. And, um, you know, you, you might find that you stumble across something that you're passionate about, like I did. So mm -hmm. I think that's really important what you said about being deliberate, because, you know, when a lot of people think about taking time off, you're not talking about taking time off and 
you know, sitting around all day watching Netflix or something else. I mean, you're talking about being deliberate, having that productivity, like you mentioned, um, yoga, volunteer, your internship. So it's funny because when you said you took time off, but then you listed all the things you did, I was like, well, that doesn't, <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people would really necessarily think of that as time off. So, yeah. but yes, in a sense it is, it's just being deliberate about it and making sure that ultimately, even if you don't have a, you know, nine to five, you're still doing something that propels you in the direction that you want to go. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, I would not, I would really struggle to sit around and just watch Netflix all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that's that's an accurate way to categorize it for sure. Yeah. Well, so you mentioned that you know there were some things that played into your ability to do that with you know having a supportive husband, and you said that you would save time, you would save money, you had been planning on it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So if there's someone who's listening to this and they maybe think like, oh, I would love to do that, but I'm just not sure if I'm able to, you know, maybe they're not married. They don't have two incomes to fall back on or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice um, on how they could plan for that? I mean, I know that you said there that the length of time is not really what's important. So maybe your advice to that would just be a shorter period of time, like something that is doable. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, I think if you're, you know, 18 months out from your transition or even 12 or six months out, I think that there is a way to plan for that, whether you use your terminal leave where you still have an income during your terminal leave um, or you set aside like your living expenses for however long it is you want to take and then and then save that and then deliberately live off that and um, be conscious of like how you're spending your money Um, or like I mean, there's nothing if you have the support system of family or friends, like there's nothing wrong with going home and and like catching up. I mean, geez, I I haven't lived at home or been home for longer than a week in over 10 years. So to the opportunity to go home and and spend time um, with the support of family like that is a a way to do it. Um, But it doesn't have to be long. It just it just taking the time to to think and then you know, prepare for those interviews and prepare your resume without the rush of like what comes with, you know, calls in the middle of the night being in a leadership position in the military <laughs> where you may not have the, the the bandwidth to really invest in the time to, to put a product together and prepare yourself. I think that um, I think as planners and as, you know, Marina, as a Marine officer and, and for the audience, like military officers or, or senior more senior enlisted uh, men and women who had to plan ahead like it's totally within the realm of possible you just have to be deliberate about it i think um mm-hmm. and make a conscious effort to make it a priority otherwise it won't be you know right yeah i think that's great advice so you know morgan now that you've been on both sides of the coin you've been in the military now you're recruiting and you're recruiting military veterans i'm sure you've heard tons of misconceptions and um you know preconceived notions that people have about working with a recruiting firm like Orion, and you may have even had some of these yourself before coming to work here. So I'm curious if you could talk through some of the misconceptions that either you had or ones that you hear, and then now knowing kind of the reality of things, um, if you could share that with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing is that I do remember getting a call from Orion as a lieutenant 
um, I would I had just gotten to the fleet and for some reason like my name ended up on a distribution list and that happens and you know you sign up for information and stuff and um, I remember thinking I, I don't even want to talk to these guys they I've heard so many rumors and like my focus is the military I don't need to be distracted by you know civilian work prospects so I I basically just blew them off and I wish I hadn't now that I look back because I had so many friends who got out and and people that I led who were completely capable of taking on and competing with um, uh, people like me, like, you know, degreed NCOs and whatnot, or people who are in the pursuit of it, who, who could have used their services. I wish I had taken the time to listen and and see what was there, not necessarily for myself, but for others. Because now that I'm in this role and I can see what can what it can do for someone, I, I just wish that I had listened. So that was one thing. The second thing is like, um, yeah, so many misconceptions. You know, it's a one way one way relationship. Uh, you have to be w willing to move anywhere, and all they're going to give you are sales opportunities, and sales are gross. <laughs> you know, um, you're going to have to take a tremendous pay cut or work one, for 100% commission. I mean, these are all like false, right? Um, first of all, like it's not a one-way relationship. I mean, whether we have a position for you or not, we're going to have resources for you. And that says to me that like we're going to be able to help you in some capacity. And that would be the first major uh, misconception. The second one, you have to be willing to move anywhere. This is sort of true, but not really, right? Like we, you have to be flexible to a certain extent and it doesn't mean it has to be forever. So if you want to make a specific amount of money and you want to have a certain lifestyle and work in a certain field, then something might have to give, right? You have those top three priorities, income, location, and, and field or, or job description. And all of them are important, but when you're stacking one against the other, you have to be flexible. And I think that if location is the most important thing to you, then you have to be flexible on income and vice versa. Um, and knowing that like a short term move to somewhere different doesn't mean it has to be forever. It could be a stepping stone to somewhere else in the company that takes you to a location you want to live in. Um, I think that is something to be aware of in your planning process. And then this concept of sales, uh, thinking it's gross and kind of dirty. Um, I'm in sales right now as a recruiter and it's very fulfilling and I would never have guessed that I would enjoy it and I would never have thought about it this way until I started doing it. Um, but it's not consumer sales, you know, this, the types of sales positions that we offer and that I'm in it, like I'm in the sales of helping people, right? But then you have business to business sales where you change lives by bringing a product or a service to a business that enhances their objectives. It's uh, relationship building, there's more follow through, and it's at a level that's so much more than a single transaction that it really is more fulfilling than that. Um, and I think it should be considered because I think as military professionals, we're like better suited for these roles because of our uh, past interacting with people, um, communicating, selling courses of action to a commander. I mean, that's the same type of thing. It's just in a different capacity. So. Uh, something to think about for sure. This next misconception I want to talk about is sort of the crossover between sales and pay. Um, people think that if you're in sales, you have to earn 100% of your income through commission. And while that might be true at certain places, um, like insurance and stuff like that, it's not true here at Orion. We would, we're not going to 
set anyone up for you know having to earn 100% of their commission or their income through commission. You'll have a base salary with comprehensive benefits and the opportunity for commission um, that I think you'll find that you're postured to earn due to your intangible skill sets that you have from from being in the military and, and having to sell courses of action to commanders and whatnot. So that's something to think about as well in terms of sales. Like you can make a lot of money and it's really fulfilling work in a certain capacity. And then this last thing like pay, you might have to take a tremendous pay cut. That's a huge misconception. Um, you have to really think about in terms of like common sense, like no, no, no um, civilian uh, employer is going to be able to match dollar for dollar what the military pays you in terms of housing allowance and and healthcare and your base salary. Like it's just there's really no way to compare it the two. Um, but what you can do is look at your base salary in the in the military and then look at some crossover there to civilian salaries and and note that like there will be comprehensive benefits and you're also going to be going into a field likely as someone who's got an experience. So you might have to take a little bit of a pay cut in the short term, but definitely not in the midterm um, and, and really not in the long term, because you're going to find that you excel faster than your non-military counterparts because you've, you're used to uncertainty, you're used to being innovative and adapting. And these are things that take other people, you know, sometimes decades to figure out, um, but you, you kind of get fast track to that um, having been in the military. Mm-hmm. So. I like that one of the big things you pointed out was the sales misconception, because I know that we hear that before. I mean, we've had just podcasts dedicated to sales and kind of debunking some of those myths and misconceptions and things like that. And it, it's such an important one because, like you said, nothing is going to exactly match the military. You're never going to have that exact pay structure. But mm-hmm. so many candidates, and I'm sure that you've seen this just in your time here already, is that you know, one of the things that people care about, and I mean, we all care about it, is money. We don't just work for fun. I mean, yeah, of course, you want it to be rewarding and enjoy what you do, but you also are working to make money. And so usually salary expectations, when you compare it to a different type of role, like maybe like a project manager or something else that's, you know, just something a little bit more maybe correlated to what you think you did in the military, in most cases, then you are going to be taking more of a pay cut, whereas with sales, the income potential is so much higher. And so it's sort of letting people know what's available to them. What is the reality of sales? Like you said, most of the time it's a B2B type of scenario where you're improving someone's business, your relationship building, and they're all things that you've done in the military already. So how can we take away the stigma of sales? And, you know, not that there's anything wrong with like, you know, a car salesman or something like that. But I just think that a lot of times that's what people see is they see that pushiness and they see, you know, having to cold call all day, every day and just getting voicemails. And of course, there are positions like that out there, but that is not majority of what we're offering when it comes to sales roles. Correct. Yeah. And I I think that once you start to break it down, anytime that I've broken it down that way for a candidate, when I do an intro call, and we talk about this. Um, we, you know, like we have that aha moment where it's like, oh, well, I didn't really think about it like that. And thanks for giving me something to chew on because I didn't consider that before. And man, I really do want to maintain this lifestyle that I've got, you know, Mm -hmm. 
with my, you know, San Diego BAH making over a hundred thousand dollars, you know, like, uh, well, the real only way to get there as soon as you get out, I think is from what I've seen at least is to get into sales and make that commission to get at, at that higher level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I get the question like, okay, does that mean I'm on the road all the time? And I'm like, well, there is a certain expectation that you'll have to travel right to a certain extent, but obviously during the pandemic, that's limited a lot. Uh, people are using MS Teams and Zoom a lot more um, to to have these interactions with clients and and, and uh, prospective customers. And so a travel isn't as crazy, I, I would say, as it might have been, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and I would also say that really think about travel in the private sector. It's going to be a lot different than in the military. <laughs> You're not going to be, you know, sleeping, you know, uh, in a tent in a field somewhere, you know, with like no cell service. You're probably going to be in a pretty decent hotel uh, with expenses paid, you know, like probably mostly only traveling during the week, you know, and, and probably not that often considering there are less expensive alternatives. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I do think. You're totally right. I mean, obviously things have changed in the past year, but I think moving forward, companies have seen now that they can save a lot of money by not having people out on the road all the time. And so um, by doing things virtually, you're still, if that's something that's a sticking point for someone is travel, then that's something that I would assume is not going to be as big of a deal in the years to come. Um, Morgan, one other thing that you briefly touched on was just your perception of recruiters. Yeah prior to you coming here. And so I would love for you to elaborate that on that a little bit because we have talked in previous podcasts about what are some of the misconceptions that people have about recruiters. And I know that there are so many and um, I don't want to dwell on all of the negatives, but I am curious to hear, you know, just kind of what your perspective was prior to and then now how that's changed. Yeah, um, I think my perspective was um, that they're kind of out of touch with my priorities and that they are kind of dirty, so to speak, or like when I say dirty, I mean like just like kind of trying to work any angle they can Mm -hmm. to get their way. Um, And so I want to hit the first thing um, out of touch. I mean, my first exposure to a recruiter was when I was a pretty junior first lieutenant. So I was like, this guy is calling me and he has he's I'm a first lieutenant in the Marine Corps. And I mean, yeah, he has no idea who I am and where I'm doing, but like, I still, my ETS wouldn't be for another two years at least. And so why does he think, why on earth does he or she think that I want to be talking to them right now? Like there's like just out of touch with my priorities. So that was the first thing. Um, and then the second thing would have been, um, you know, that they're going to work any angle they can to get what they want out of me. And that's actually really not true, um, especially at Orion, because, you know, we, compared to some of the, the other recruiters that are out there, you know, we don't require exclusivity and whatnot. Um, I would say that every interaction I've had here with recruiters and so far, like I I feel and I'm new, I'm new here at Orion, right? Like I'm not like I haven't been here for 10 years. And so I can I kind of am seeing things with fresh eyes. But like no one here wants to force a square peg in a round hole. Like we want you to know what your options are. We want to be real about the expectations that might might be out there. Like, yes, these are your expectations. This is what we can do. They're not they're not co- you know not cohesive. So maybe we're not the best recruiter for you. But you know if you're willing to flex and these are things that you might consider flexing on, then maybe we can help you. But we're definitely not going to wave like a fat paycheck in front of your face and say if this than this, you know, it's not going to be like that. And I, I, that really doesn't benefit anyone, right? We, we want 
we want our candidates to be happy. We want our clients to be happy uh, because at the end of the day, it benefits everyone if it's a cohesive square peg, square hole situation uh, and not not the opposite. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes total sense and addresses a lot of the misconceptions. Like I said, we have a previous podcast about it. So I think that sort of wraps it up in a nutshell. That's about what it is. So yeah. What about some of the benefits of working with Orion? Just you've talked about it a little bit about, you know, you actually caring and you're not trying to force anything on them, things like that. What about, um, I know there are some other ones like the companies that we work with, um, the number, you know, our success rates, things like that. So from your perspective, can you share what you think some of the benefits are of working with us? Yeah. Um, first of all, if if you're paired, like if you see a job description on our website that's interested, interesting to you and you're qualified for, and you tailor your resume to that position, your resume is going to be fast-tracked to the top of the stack by working through Orion. If you try to direct apply, it's probably going to get lost in a stack of resumes. And by applying through us, you're basically standing out as a potential candidate because we've we've found that you met certain criteria and so therefore like you're going to be one of the more competitive applicants for an interview um, once that interview does come um, you're going to be prepared for it and that's because we're going to take the time to make sure you're prepared for it um, one-on-one prep essentially and that's all free to you it's not going to it's not going to be an expense other than your time, you know, and I feel like it's worth it um, if you're if you're thinking about your time in terms of terms of a currency. Um, we place thousands of people, um, you know, 50,000 um, since we first started in, in 30 years. So about 1600 a year, I'd say um, plus or minus, you know, um, and you have hundreds of years of combined recruiting experience. Um, so between between, you know, me, which I might be your first contact, but then you like our team combined, like just so many people here have been doing this for, you know, over 15 years who can put together their heads and come up with a strategy that works for you. Um, yeah, we're not going to put you in a cohort full of people and then tell you all to do the same thing because you're not all the same. So kind of have to be treated a little differently. Um, and then, you know, once the pandemic is not an issue, we we have these really amazing conferences that we do to um, basically pair you directly with uh, top, you know, Fortune 300, Fortune 500 companies who are looking for, um, you know, highly competitive candidates. It would be like one of the situations where you sit down and get three or four interviews in a weekend. And that is an amazing opportunity to capitalize on our services, um, something that it's a huge benefit with working with Orion. And we're even doing these sort of virtually, right? Like, you know, pandemic aside, we're doing them regionally and, and virtually. And then once the pandemic is over, we'll be doing them um, actually in some major cities. And that would be like a huge opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that you sort of touched on that I think is good to reiterate is that the relationships we have with our clients, whether it's through a hiring conference or, you know, just, you know, direct submission, they're they're giving us a, a position and you guys as the recruiting team are going out and finding the right person for it. It's so much different than just like a job board. You know, clients aren't sending us a list of five positions, posting it on our website, and then that's it. Maybe they pay us for, you know, the number of clicks it's getting. That's just not how Orion is set up. And so, it is so much more of a relationship based type of business, which really benefits the candidates because 
you know, they know that we are only in it to help them. They're not paying anything. The client's paying us. The client is paying us for results, which means a hire. They're not paying us for things that don't matter, like how many people are clicking on the job description or how many applies are they getting. Ultimately, those things don't matter. And so, like you said earlier, you're not trying to force something that doesn't fit. You truly are, you know, focused on finding the best fit for each candidate. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. That that is a huge difference and benefit, I think, of working with us um, for sure. So talk me through the process of how you work with the candidates. If I'm listening and I'm like, wow, I really want to work with Morgan, <laughs> what should I expect? So can you tell me a little bit kind of what that looks like and what someone could expect from working with you? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think First of all, it'd be a one on one conversation. I'm not going to talk to a whole group of people. I mean, I might present information to a group, um, but then after that, your your interaction with me would really start with that one on one conversation, you know, 20, 25 minutes um, where I'm going to learn and understand you, what makes you tick and um, I'm going to listen to you, your preferences, your timeline, and I'm going to provide you some like objective, you know, advice, like, you know, give you some expectations of uh things that you can expect um just in general for the for, for the field that you're looking to go into or or otherwise and then help you develop a plan um my my goal is to stay in contact with you basically from the time you're about 18 months out um through a separation where i would like hand you off not not in a negative way but like do a very um deliberate handoff to one of my colleagues who's focused in the like the geographic region that you're interested in landing um that's sort of how it would go is i would i would make sure that we're engaged and um you've got you know resources for preparing your resume generally and preparing for an interview pretty generally knowing that if you've got the general like 80 percent solution down then that last 20% is that specific job description, specific interview prep, which my colleagues would definitely be able to help you with and make sure that you're set up for success. So it's it's sort of like a long game, right? Where it's a it's a, a relationship that you know hopefully results in like I like to use football analogies sometimes. So like I've got you from kickoff to like the 30 yard line, and then after that. Um, but, you know, our team is going to help get you all the way down to the goal line and then it's up to you, you know, to get across it, but we're going to give you all the support you need to get there. Does, does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, I think it does. And I like that you, I like the way that you explained it because if there is someone that really wants to be in a specific, you know, geographic area, then it's nice for them to know that there's somebody who specializes in that area. They're located there. They have the relationships with the companies in that area. So mm -hmm. it does feel, I guess, a little bit more um, focused. And I, I would like that from a candidate's perspective. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I um, I think I would have liked that too. Honestly, Megan, I I didn't reconsider using a recruiter when I got out of the military because I, I was going to go to nursing school. But if I could, if I had had the, the forethought to have a backup plan or just like at least explore this option. It would have made me feel really good to know that someone was going to be hitting me up, you know, once or twice a month leading up to that, you know, between 18 and 12 months all the way down to when I went on terminal leave, man, I would have been happy for the reminder because, you know, one thing I feel like a lot of 
military officers are guilty of, Marines in particular, just because I, I know them um, so well, is taking care of other people other than themselves. Um, they always put others first and kind of forget about doing the things they need to do for themselves. And so having that reminder, I think, would have been really helpful. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And to an extent, you know, what do you have to lose? It's, it's a free service. So yeah. really, like you mentioned this earlier, it's like, you will get some help in some way. So, you know, there, I'm sure there are plenty of people who work with Orion and end up finding a position on their own. Mm -hmm. Did we give them assistance with their resume? Did we help them interview prep? Did we do all these other things? So it's like, you're still getting a benefit. Um, even if, even if you end up finding something on your own, yes, ultimately we want to help you find your career, but we want to help you with more than just that. So at the end of the day, it's a free service. What do you have to lose? Correct. Yeah, that's yeah. Exactly. Nothing to lose. <laughs> so I, I actually really like the skepticism that you had. I think that's going to help you a lot with, you know, talking to other people that are in, who were in your shoes. You know, you've been there, you know how you felt at the time. So you can almost even preemptively answer some of their questions or address their concerns without them even having to say it, which I think is really cool. So, you know, Morgan, I think you're going to do really well here. And I'm really happy that I got to talk to you today and have you share your story. But are there any key takeaways that you'd want to leave with our listeners as we wrap this up? Yeah, um, just probably three or four, um, you know, just circling back on like taking some time off, you know, the length of time is up to you, but really take it. It could be a long weekend or a week or a couple of months, just plan early and save money and, and take that time. And it's not just like a just reminder. It's not like time off to just like do nothing, right? It's to be deliberate about what you are going to do next. And um, sometimes you just need some space to think about that without, you know, the pressure of work on top of on top of making that plan. Um, I would say also take your time and kind of be gracious with yourself. You may not get it right the first time, um, and, and some people. Um, you know, are very fortunate and they find the perfect job right out of the military and that, but most don't, right? Most work somewhere for two years or three years and then, and then find that right job afterwards. And then they have some context also to be more successful there. So don't think of it as like a deviation from a path, rather think of it as a stepping stone, a required first step. You know, you have to get the, you have to knock the newness off of you, um, so to speak. And like, Get your get your civilian hands dirty. So and and that that might be you know two or three years with a company you didn't expect to work for, but then you're able to move on to the one that you want to work for. So there's there's that. And then um, I would say if you um, would have bet like a million dollars that I would be a recruiter, I would have not have taken it like ten years ago. Um, and so what I mean what I mean in bringing that up is just be open to any opportunity. Um, you might find out that you like it a lot and it might end up being really lucrative for you. So that would be one thing um, to, to keep in mind as you go on your career path, you know, be open-minded, explore different paths. You may luck into something or you may, you know, you, know, you may deliberately plan your way into something, but um, sometimes you're, you don't have that kind of control. So just be open. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. 
Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond. So make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.